0: So the, this whole concept of value investing fits very nicely in my mind with Bitcoin. So I don't feel as though I'm taking, a, a, I'm, I'm investing in a highly speculative asset, actually. And if you do feel like it's highly speculative, then then what I would submit to you is that you probably haven't done your homework. Is there a speculative aspect of it? Yeah, of course. There's a speculative aspect to investing in uh, bonds. <laughs> You're speculating that the government's going to ultimately be able to pay you back. So, yeah, it's speculative in that sense, but it's not one of these things where I'm like, you know, rolling the dice and I'm putting all my money on on seven.
1: This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit.
2: Today, we spoke to Dr. Jason Sassoni. He is a board-certified orthopedic surgeon. I am told this is a certification that is slightly more difficult to attain than a certification of paramedic, although Dan and I find that hard to believe. Jason has been extremely active in the Bitcoin space, helping to found Looking Glass Education, and he also did a three-part series in Bitcoin Magazine trying to demystify Greg Foss's Bitcoin is Portfolio Insurance piece. With Jason, we cover Looking glass education, Bitcoin going to one zillion dollars investment portfolio construction, when will the Fed blink, and much more. We also have to thank Jason for having us join him and his family at his beautiful home and feeding these two hogs, elk burgers no less. Jason shot, murdered this animal, dragged it over a mountain, put it in a freezer, thawed it out, made it into burgers, and fed two hungry hogs. Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast is brought to you by CoinKite. CoinKite makes the cold card the only signing device these two hogs trust with their hard hodled Bitcoin. If you need a safe space for your Bitcoin, we cannot recommend cold card enough. If you already have a secure cold storage setup, think about adorning your wall with a beautiful bit of Bitcoin art, the block Clock. Also, check out all the other Bitcoin related gear that CoinKite makes the open dime, the seed plate, cold power, everything you need for absolute Bitcoin security and peace of mind.
1: All views and language expressed by the hosts and guests in this podcast are solely their personal opinions and do not reflect their employers or organizations they are associated with. Do not treat any of the content in this podcast as investment advice or as an inducement to follow a particular strategy. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Jason, pleasure to be here. We are, folks. We are in Jason Sansoni's basement officially. We, we
2: have left our basements in order to reunite in Jason's basement.
1: It's a special right. moment, though. Yeah.
2: Yeah. We just finished the intense video game sesh, and uh, my mom's
0: upstairs heating up a pizza for us. And mm-hmm.
2: yeah, is she going to put some nachos and put cheese on the nachos and toss those in the microwave? I'll yell up to her and tell her. All right, cool. Yeah.
1: Mom. <laughs> Nachos. <laughs> <Not joke>. Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hey, this is fun to do this in person, though. Josh and I have recorded uh, episodes like together, it. a few of them, but we've never had our guest in the same room. Very so, true.
2: Yeah, this is a first.
0: Well, that's yeah. probably yeah. a good thing, seeing as how you've had Foss on a few times. Yeah, Foss gets He's pretty He's kind of like a squirrel in a garbage can. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, a good he, way to describe yeah,
2: it. Yeah, he just, he bounces off every... A squirrel that sits in a risk chair in a garbage can. <laughs> in a risk chair. chair. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. did you guys
1: you guys see the uh what is it? Foss bingo that somebody put together. Oh, yeah, yeah, I had, yeah, like, he, got, he got pretty
0: butthurt about that. <laughs> yeah, did. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, he dro- he was dropping some F bombs back at that. And I don't even think that dude was trying to offend him. I think he just thought it was funny. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: Warning Greg, we love you maybe more than anybody else in the world, but I have a feeling we're gonna fill awkward silence today by just ripping on Greg Foss. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's easy to do. Yeah. Yeah, he's we love he's you, Greg.
0: flammable, but yeah, he's a He's a prince of men.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we have a we have an afternoon ahead of us. We're recording right off the bat. We actually walked in Jason's house and we said, Jason, shut the fuck up. Because <laughs> because what happens is invariably you start talking to somebody, good topics come up, you meander, you get into the meat, and you want that on the bone once we click record. So literally we walked in here, said, Don't say a word. And then yeah, we're gonna have this conversation. Jason's gonna cook for us later, which by the way, like pretty high stakes cooking for a couple firemen. I don't know if you've processed the pressure, but yeah. <laughs> we've plated some meals in our uh, day. I, yeah, and we I play didn't. it cool, but we're yeah, picking. We don't eaters, fuck dude. around
0: with
2: eating at I the d- firehouse.
0: No, yeah, I uh, I actually didn't sleep last night because I was so worried about <laughs> impressing you guys. But yeah, we got some. Uh, I hopefully you saw the the European mount on the way in mm-hmm. of the elk that I shot, which you'll be oh. eating later on this evening.
1: There's no Can't better wait. way to impress. That's fresh out,
0: fresh out of Colorado, that is. So uh, we were going to ask where you hunt, Colorado. Yeah, uh, well, and Montana. So nice. we could uh, we could spend an entire hour podcast talking about hunting.
1: I assume you're a big Renella guy. Uh, I do the love eater? Steve yeah. Ranella, yeah. yeah,
0: great. Um, I love Steve Ranella. I do catch meat eater uh, when I have the time to. Um, I'm also really into Randy Newberg.
1: Don't know who that is. Yeah, but.
0: he's uh, kind of a self guided public land hunting dude. Amazing. But, uh, yeah, I'm an adult onset hunter. I got into hunting about five years ago, uh, really from more of a source of organic meat angle. And, uh, like I said, we could, we could waste an hour or two talking
2: about it. We won't. There's so speaking of hunting on the way in here, I'm, I'm just kind of scanning across as we drive into town. It's a beautiful town you live in, by the way. And there is a conspicuous corner slot, kind of shady. It says "Tempted Salon and Spa." Are you familiar with this establishment at all? Like, is that where Dan and I are headed I will, after this? I will
0: neither confirm nor deny if I'm familiar with that.
1: <laughs> if if that's not a rug and tug, I don't know. A rub and tug, I don't know <laughs> what is, man. Yeah. like there's no.
0: There was a place actually across the across the way here um, in downtown that was indicted for um, running a prostitution ring through its massage parlor like only a few years ago
1: tempted massage parlor yeah (laughs) yeah i I think they moved over here yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly we found their location no one will ever know yeah jason tell us about yourself give our audience an intro to you and yeah why are we here i guess is the question i don't even
0: know why the hell are you guys here I'm gonna waste some of my good elk meat. I don't yeah. even know why yeah. the hell you up here.
2: In case I fall off of uh, something and break my leg, that's yeah. why. That's yeah. why Jason's here. Yeah, Why exactly. don't
1: you tell us why we're here, Jason? Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: I'm your guy if you fall off a chair. Yeah.
0: So um, I'm a practicing orthopedic trauma surgeon in town here, and um, uh, grew up down the way a uh, little ways, and my wife grew up here. So so. Uh, lived here for most of my adult life now, and went to uh, medical school residency. All good. We'll just cut that out. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: You can cut that out while I'm talking. I should just wait till they're done. Yeah, yeah just yeah. wait till they're done. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah well, no, I, yeah, I can't cut it out. Uh, I while was like, how barking. do you? Yeah. No, right, right. we're not that good. It's like, yeah. Wow, that's impressive.
1: If you heard the, f- if you've heard the discussion with us, uh, Daz and Foss, he was oh. in an airport. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Oh, and then <laughs> Lavish had a bird. That was chirping and like just back. randomly cawing. I don't know what the fuck it was. We didn't even ask him. Shut the fucking bird up, man. Why do you have a bird? Yeah, exactly. Maybe this doesn't get cut out. Now, was he,
0: was that when he was in Vegas or is he in his. No, he was in California yeah. when we talked yeah. to him. Yeah. He's been summers there because. All
2: right. Let's calm down upstairs. Yeah, it has now, but uh, yeah. Well, we'll keep going. All right. So. All right. Uh, no, we were talking about uh, orthopedic surgery.
0: Yeah. So anyhow did uh, did residency and then left lived in San Diego for a year for fellowship which I still am not sure why we left Uh, but we did we left came back here and have been in practice here ever since so I'm about 10 years into my practice and uh, orthopedic trauma surgery is basically if uh, you fall off a roof or jump off a roof or Mm -hmm. drive into the side of a
2: cement wall if you fuck up in a major way yeah yeah you really there. have to
0: yeah you have to you have to want it i mean it's not like <laughs> you know you just trip and fall out in the grass like yeah, you got to want you gotta it you got to earn it yeah then uh, then i'm your guy so basically put people back together
2: with plates and screws and drills and hammers and this is so we were just talking about this before we started recording to be a paramedic where we're at in illinois you have to go view a surgery at some point so i was lucky enough to stumble into a hip replacement surgery and what my What I had conditioned myself from watching TLC, watching surgeries as like a delicate instrument, you know, perfect placement to that and just nice little incisions. Like, no, this is... That's what I like to tell people. This is hacksaws and fucking... (laughs) Yeah, big yeah. ass sledgehammer. That's handles. what I like
0: to tell people is like you see my hands are so steady, but they're really not, right? Especially if I've had some coffee and stuff. So yeah, it's you look really, kind of shaky for a it's surgeon. <laughs> it's really more <laughs> uh, incredibly, yeah. So it, you, you, it's usually a bit more of a uh, of a full contact sport, but you know, I would say that. um, it all has to do with the way in which you apply force and the angles at which you do it. And, you know, I can see the analogy is similar to to many other uh, many other things one does in their personal life. But but quite truthfully, um, (laughs) uh, it, it really does come down to just learning a craft and doing things with so much repetition that it becomes second nature. So, you know, it's funny now because I can hear a hip replacement or uh fixing a femur or whatever pick take your pick and know if the pressure and the pitch is right on the instruments and all that kind of stuff And it just comes with time so it's i would lie to you and tell you it's really really complex on a day-to-day basis but it's not it's just uh, it just takes a long time to master
1: yeah i agree though i think i saw a couple surgeries during uh paramedic school and it was startling the the at least the beginning of those surgeries was strikingly similar to home improvement projects Oh no no doubt and the tools looked a lot like what's exactly the same it's like medieval
2: torture devices it's the same
0: literally the same drill except it's something
2: that can be put through an autoclave and heated uh, you know whatever 300 degrees and but it's like uh, what we have in the fire services saws that cost $5,000 just because they have a different color and they say fire service on them. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> branding and
1: selling things to the fire service is a delightful scam. If you just put some kind of firefighting spin on a totally common object, right? Yeah, you t- <laughs> chainsaw from Home Depot, five times the price <laughs> yeah. if, if it's red. If, this, if it's if this, red, yeah. If, if we if this if we lose our jobs at the firehouse, probably because of this podcast, right? And then the podcast gets <coughs> belly up. Yeah. We will be scamming fire departments for yeah. a living, almost assuredly. Oh, Grif- w-
2: just grifting. <laughs> <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll help you out. Actually, that's totally fine. Yeah. Huh. So, so tell us.
2: Yeah. What do you? We just we always trade war stories at the firehouse. Everyone's got a fucked up call. Something that's you got to one up the next guy. What's your? Yeah. Uh, what's the latest? one that pops you know, to so jump off a roof or
0: yeah, well that happens by a car. That's, but that's not even that unique quite truthfully. Unfortunately, these days, I think to be honest with you, I wrote the, the patients that I remember having done this for as long as I have are the patients who, um, I wake felt, up during surgery. Yeah. that. I mean, <laughs> tol- totally, totally like, what are you doing to my pelvis? Oh, don't worry about it. We're just, um, just frogging around your bladder here. No, No problem. Just trying to fix your, no, the, uh, the patients I remember are the ones who, uh, have had, I've had an emotional attachment to, and generally speaking, these are people who you just feel awful for because, whether by their own poor decision making or just bad luck, their their life is indelibly changed. And it's, yeah. uh, and um, you know, I've had a number of patients die in my operating table. That is, uh, that is not fun. I think it's probably uh, second nature to um, those of us who do surgery to focus on the negatives. I mm-hmm. think that generally going through the amount of training we do uh brainwashes you into thinking about life that way and uh, thus you know i i see those patients in my head when i think back on patients i remember so not not to get too morbid on you i mean i've had a hell of a lot of funny stories too um you know the least of which that pops in my head is a dude who had a broken pelvis from a, a gunshot wound and i asked him how he got shot in the crotch and uh, he said he was girlfriend caught him screwing somebody else and I said can you tell me what caliber the weapon was and he goes no man I was running the other way <laughs> so you know that's um but yeah you meet all sorts of people uh, in your in your travels doing these things and uh and yeah some of them stick with you but to be
2: honest with you most of them are the are the ones who you just feel awful for yeah Dan I think the two of us are psychopaths because yeah. I can't remember ever feeling bad for a patient. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's actually called sociopath. Yeah. Oh, that's the one. Yeah.
1: It is weird what... We're, we're not going to throw sob stories back and forth for too long here, audience. But it is weird what you remember. Like what calls don't... For us, calls for you, people that come in on the table. What what things don't bother you and then what things do. And, and it's often surprising for Agreed. you. You know what Agreed. I mean? It's like the stuff that you 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 really thought would affect you doesn't. And then some random thing just, you know, bitch slaps you across the face. Yeah,
0: no, I agree. I, and I think over time, the one thing that I've taken with me and learned is that, you know, really two things. One, I mean, it's, it's a joke in a, in a, a movie, but life is fragile. It really is. And things can change in a split second. And they do for a lot of people. Most surprises in life are not good ones. Mm. Um, and then secondly, you know, it, the three of us sitting around here are awfully lucky, and we are, um, we won the genetic and intellectual lottery more than likely uh, as it relates to some of these other folks that we interface with because they're all, you know, everybody's the same. Everybody wants the same stuff. And we've been lucky enough to end up where we are. But man, it, um, um, you know, you just, you, you think about the uphill battle some people have to mm. climb out of their situation, and yeah. it is just. It's torture.
1: Yeah, um, let's pivot to Bitcoin. I want to hear your your journey into Bitcoin. Is this Bef- a Bitcoin? It is. It's They're a Bitcoin ju- show. Oh. Um, we've probably had like half the audience already leave because they don't give a shit about yeah. our lives. I and they you want the fuckers content. were
0: coming here for my elk burgers and uh- <laughs> yeah. But okay. he, we're he, staying for that. Okay. Yeah, all right, right. Got it.
1: We'll be here for the next week, by the way. Because, you
2: know, <laughs> yeah, we're moving in. We have a couple of suitcases.
1: That's so fine. Little, you the won't
0: car. like the rent payment, though. That's the only place thing. is a little nicer <laughs> than we
1: expected. We will be perched up here for the next week, which is easy to do with our schedules. Get a swap or two. We're good to go. Yeah, probably. Yeah, it's, it, Back to Steve Ranella. by the way, he has this quote about firemen. He, he had some, firefighter on that's a hunter. And he's like, what do you guys work? Like one day off, 300 days off? Or you're one day on, 300 days off? So yeah. That's what it feels like to people on the outside. That's what it sounds like too. Yeah, it's It's, mm, a, it's way worse than it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it for anybody. Yeah. For any tax-paying citizen in our town, it's the most... Grueling. Grueling schedule you can yeah. imagine. Yeah, exactly. I'll bet it is. <laughs> all but, uh, right, here's what's cool about talking to you though, in all seriousness. And we, we said this a little bit before we started recording and had to tell you to stop talking. And that's... It is it is fun to interact with other passionate Bitcoiners who aren't in Bitcoin full time, right? That they've encountered this just in their spare time. Their passion has evolved kind of outside of vocational incentives, right? And so, you know, although you do something very different than us, Bitcoin is clearly just something that you've organically developed tremendous passion for. Why is that? How did you encounter Bitcoin? How did you get to the point you are today with it? I guess, what is that point?
0: Yeah. Um, So I first
1: encountered Bitcoin
0: probably in 2011 or 2012. And unfortunately, it was in the context of reading a headline that 50 Cent had gotten paid to do a concert in Bitcoin. And I thought, well, that's pretty fucking stupid. What is Bitcoin? And then I ignored it for the- Of course 50 Cent would do that. He's an idiot. Yeah, he's a complete idiot, obviously. <laughs> so, um, so eight years go by, and I'm, you know, still I still remember the fact that I think Bitcoin's dumb. And then, and then lo and behold, I am a regular listener to TIP Preston Pish's podcast. And he announces that he's pivoting to start a Bitcoin podcast. And I'm thinking- Okay, either he's in business with Fifty Cent, or there's something more to this. So, so almost believable. Almost believable, Yeah, yeah. I should ask him. He's, maybe he is in, he's in cahoots with Fifty Fitty. So, anyhow, um, I listened to that first podcast that he did with Breedlove, who I'm sure every I'm sure you guys have too. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's it a great one. Just blew my mind, and I thought, okay, whoa. I need to take another look at this. So, so I was, you know, really kind of interested in and, and, uh, had already gone down the rabbit hole of value investing. And so that was, that had always been my mindset. And, you know, I'm constantly kind of looking for one of those, one of those 10 punch cards, one of those 10 punches in life that Warren Buffett talks about, like, you know, you got to take, you take your shot on 10 different things. And I'm constantly looking for those through the value investing lens, and then uh, Bitcoin comes along, and I had to, to really dive deep. And as you guys know, once you start, once you start digging into this and going down the rabbit hole, it is exceedingly difficult to unsee what you've seen. It gets crazy. It gets yeah. real crazy. It's real, almost like you forget how crazy it gets. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And people start thinking you're weird, and your wife starts asking why you won't uh, come to bed until two in the morning, and you know, I
2: mean, all, yeah, where's all of our money going?
1: Yeah,
0: right.
2: Exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah it's an anecdote here though it is weird for the spouse like if any of if if our two wives heard this they would they would resonate massively because it's like something something's going down and a more enormous amount of time is being sunk in a new venture you're trying to convince them it's important they don't understand the first thing about it
0: exactly it's nice to have somebody you should have brought them with today because my wife would actually be able to commiserate with them (laughs) because she you know she's still kind of
2: Thinks it's a little bit unstable.
1: We'll be here. Know. We'll be here all week, so they'll be here. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll exactly. to come tomorrow. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah,
2: <laughs> you're you're uh, you started looking glass with Greg Foss. So is the story correct that I understand it? Is that you read his piece called uh, Bitcoin is Portfolio? Well, I heard, insurance. I, yeah, I
0: heard. I heard him on Preston's podcast. Okay, and I immediately liked him because he swears like a sailor, yep. I could tell. And I, he, obviously there's no swearing on Preston's, but you can tell that he, that he does. So then I listened to some other things, and I immediately liked him. And then I was, yes, directed toward his article that he wrote. Um, and I'd reached out to Greg on Twitter because after I heard the podcast, I thought, I don't understand 90% of what this, guy sa- what this guy's saying. So maybe he, he seems nice enough. Maybe he'll help direct me. I'm sure there's a book I could read. So Greg was the one that sent me the article that he'd written. And so I thought, oh, this is good. I'll just sit down, and read these 50 pages, and I'll be... Totally good to go. Understand the fixed income markets, and I un- literally understood less after I talked to him. It was, I mean, I don't, you know, I, I still know do- mean, I still don't understand a lot of what he says. So, so I kind of got back to him and said, look, can you please just hop on a Zoom call with me because I'm really trying to figure this out. Um, and I had, I had um, kind of mentioned some of the other goals that we'd had with. With regard to educating people, and so he was—he was more than generous with his time. And we, I think, after the first five minutes, we knew that we would be—we uh, would be good friends because he's just a, a really genuine human being, and we speak the same language. So,
1: so basically, the Looking Glass's origins is you telling Greg he's full of shit. Yeah, well, he's just telling him <laughs>
0: that he's an awful writer, and that he just literally needs the trans, you know, when he starts, I love it when he's like, you know, it's, you guys, it's, like, it's 11th grade math. Yeah. It's 11th grade. It's a first and second order derivative. Like
2: it's just a Taylor series. Yeah. No, like, yeah, what do you, what, exactly. Don't you understand nobody
0: here. fucking knows what that is. Greg, <laughs> nobody. Well, it seems pretty obvious to me. He says, yeah, well,
1: the, the thing, okay. So we both read your piece that you did in Bitcoin magazine with him, the yeah. three parts, which by the way, everybody should read. It's, it's basically takes Greg's original piece, and it, and it turns it into something that's digestible. You have Greg's words in normal uh, font, and then you have Jason's words in italics. It's it's a wonderful piece where they both weigh in. And it's actually the very beginning of this piece that almost stuck out to me the most because the demeanor with which you represent how these ideas should be explored is phenomenal. And that's like, so here's a direct quote to you. You say... The point is not whether you currently understand what he says, but rather, are you willing to do the work in order to understand? Don't trust verify. And I think we fall way short of this. Like if you're listening to this show thinking you can take every nugget we say as gospel, like you're in the wrong place because for for me at least, and I don't know what your two journeys are like, I learn as much from things I don't understand in podcasts as from things I do understand. So Josh and I were both listening to Preston for a long period of time before he went Bitcoin-only. I learned a lot about economics and finance. That's just one example. In that show, just terminology, themes I've never heard of before, branching off to do your own research. But you it looks like you embodied that. You read Greg's piece. You said, there's a lot of shit in here I don't understand. But I should, right?
0: You and should. It was one of those things where you realize... I don't know what this means, yeah. but I want to. You,
2: you took and, unknown unknowns and yeah. turned them to known unknowns. Yeah, right. And then that's the journey to actually learning and figuring out what it is you're talking about. Yes, yeah, is-
0: precisely. And, and and I think the important point there is, you know, Preston stresses this, you guys stress it, and I do too. It, do your own research and take responsibility for your own decisions, mm. right? Yes. I mean, if you... If you just think someone else is going to point you in the right direction and say, oh yeah, here, just buy Bitcoin, this is how you do it. The problem with that approach is that's fine as a way of entry. But the problem is you're going to be checking your phone six times a day, 20 times a day, 200 times a day to check the price of Bitcoin. You're going to see it drop five, 10, 15, as you all know, what can happen, 20%. And then you'll say, well, I'm sure whoever whoever told me to buy this was wrong and I'm selling it out, which is exactly the opposite of what you want to do. I mean, I can tell you guys that I don't know how often you guys check the price. I maybe check it twice a week. Maybe. Um, just because the, there's nothing that's substantively changed about the thesis. Right. I'm always on the lookout for things that would change my thesis on it, but I haven't yet seen anything. Now, if something were to change, then yes, I would I would change my behavior. But um, on a day-to-day basis, it doesn't matter. And so it drives me completely nuts is these folks on Twitter who... Well, look at the price is up 3% today. Oh my god, it's never going to it's never going to see 20k again or it's never going to see 50k again or it's going up forever now and or for for one day of a trading session when the markets are open and the S&P goes down and Bitcoin goes up, people are like, "Oh, look, look at there you go. It uncoupled. It, the great uncoupling has arrived." We're all, you know, it yeah. it doesn't fucking happen in a day. Yeah. So, you either make this a long-term play in your portfolio, like as in really long-term or don't even get involved because there's no, you'll, you'll get your face ripped off
2: if you think you're going to trade and counter-trade this asset. Yeah. The the people on YouTube or Twitter or whatever that are doing TA, which is astrology <laughs> for men. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, astrology anyone, <laughs> for men. It's just, it's cute. It's, it's funny, but yeah. like this, you're absolutely right. Like people get meaningfully hurt when they just take my word for it or Dan's word for it or your word for it and they go buy themselves ten thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and that's a substantive amount of money for them. And they watch it go down forty percent, and they shit their pants, and they yeah. sell it all, and now they're down. You know, they're they're sitting on six thousand dollars, and they don't know what to do with it now. It's just, and then they they jump back in the next time the hype cycle happens, yeah. mm-hmm. and before it's over with, they're left with a tenth of the money they started with yeah. because they just jumped in at the wrong time, jumped out at the wrong time. So the thesis is absolutely the yeah. imperative thing to understand in this.
0: Absolutely, and I, you know, when I think it was after Greg and I put that article out in Bitcoin Magazine, I don't recall when, but somebody reached out to us on Twitter, and oddly enough, he was a uh, said he was a retired physician, which right there, you know, he doesn't know shit about investing. So he says, um, "Hey, I'm thinking of trading some trading options. You know, uh, can you point me in the right direction for?" Trading options on crypto, (laughs) and I and I just wrote back. I'm like, give me your money. Yeah, you will get your face ripped off. You fucking idiots You know, do not get involved in this. And I don't know if he actually heeded the advice. Sir, go
1: in your backyard with a shovel, (laughs) dig a three foot (laughs) deep hole, bury cash in it, fill it in, and never look back. Yeah,
2: or light it on fire. Yeah. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go way darker uh exactly yeah just kill yourself there's, yeah. kids, up, there's yeah. kids upstairs <laughs> yeah. go dig so a hole far. and jump at it <laughs> here
1: here's the thing though back to the, the the point you made a second ago though jason is that the unfortunate truth is that uh, overconfidence is intoxicating for a lot of people yeah. and um like bombastic sound bites get a ton of exposure right and so Actually, I, when I'm saying this, one thing I'm thinking about from the piece you and you and Greg did was you, you have this expected value analysis. And there's this whole valuation method. And one of the components of this valuation method is a 75% probability that Bitcoin goes to zero. Now, mm-hmm. it's not that any of the three of us think that's going to happen. But that's in one of the pieces of analysis that Greg Foss put together is it's still worth buying this thing, even with a probability that it fails. Point I'm making Regardless of how majestic this asset looks, it's still nascent, it's new, it's in many regards untested, and the degree of dogmatism and confidence with with which even just the tone that a lot of people have towards this, kind of zeroing in on thinking that this thing is completely inevitable, that's just not a healthy demeanor to, to have intellectual integrity and really pursue this thing appropriately, right? But there are a lot of people out there, Josh and I were saying this on the way up here, that just want to be told this thing's going to a zillion dollars like there is which there is, is why um, we're,
2: we're titling this episode bitcoin goes to one zillion dollars <laughs> yeah. we're gonna get ten thousand yeah. yeah, downloads downloads the most first downloaded day. episode ever <laughs> yep I, I think
0: that's perfect yeah no I, I totally agree i mean the fact is life is a dynamic situation right i mean you know this from being on some of the calls you guys take most people whose house is burning down never planned on having their house burned down I mean, maybe some of them did, I don't (laughs) know, but... Just a few. Just a few. But, you know, the point is that... And I I appreciate you throwing the word new in there because when you said nation, I thought to myself, fuck, I don't know what that means. I got to
1: throw in big words every once in a while. Yeah, that was good. We got to make people convinced that we we actually have something to say. That was good. I was
0: was reaching for this here thing you could say as a power block, wondering if I could look up the meaning of nation on it. But anyhow... uh, so no, you're right. I mean the, the fact is you have to have humility mm-hmm. in if it, you know in the markets generally, mm-hmm. and when you are it's usually right around the time where you're so convinced that you're right that you end up being wrong. And so yes, do, do the three of us think that Bitcoin is ultimately going to ascend um, to a much higher value? Yes, are we certain of it? No. You you can be certain of nothing in life. Uh, and as Greg Foss oftentimes says, risk happens fast, right? And so, you know, it behooves everybody who's gonna get involved in this space, which I would encourage anybody to get involved in this space and to do and and to learn as much as you can, because it will it will change the way you look at the world. But the point is that if 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 anybody's involved in this space and they come to a spot where they have absolute conviction, that's fine. But that's different than having 100% certainty of an outcome.
1: Yes. And when you, when you get to pl- a place of strong opinion, which, de- which demands homework to begin with, right? If you're going to have a really strong opinion, especially one with significant implications, Bitcoin fits this category, you need to have done your homework. When you get to that point and you recognize, hey, I've got a really strong opinion. Which I do about Bitcoin. You do then need to be taking in a steady diet of counterarguments, absolutely. like That's, to, st- yeah. to stay above water long term, and to make sure you're you're thinking through this appropriately. You absolutely must be flipping the stone over. I I loved that Peter McCormick had Jeff Snyder on recently. I don't know if you listened to that episode. Yep. To- to- heard- totally, totally, and completely different opinion from from any Bitcoiner I've ever heard. Obviously profound understanding of markets but i listened to that episode and actually joe Carlosari has pointed us to that guy's direction in the past but even if you disagree inhaling information from that perspective is helpful to bolster your existing thesis is it you just Agre- gotta agree. think through the things this way I totally agree. things are
2: always more complex than you ever realize you know it's so easy to get on board the the train of bitcoin's going to a million and all this other all these economists don't know shit and but i do living in my parents basement you know exactly. reading you know Robert Breedlove stuff or whatever it and is. I'm not casting shade at him at all. I'm just saying like whatever philosopher or whoever interesting figure you're believing everything they say without ever doing your own research, you're, you're giving yourself blind spots innately because you're Mm. not exposing yourself to a wide breadth of information that may uncover some blind spot. You didn't even know you had, which is the, I mean, that's really what this is all about. hundred
0: percent. Yeah, no, I, I, so I've listened to a lot of Jeff Snyder's stuff. I mean, he does, you know, in, in again i think the three of us one of the commonalities we have is that we're we're hungry for knowledge right we enjoy just learning new things about the way the world works now in in this instance it relates to markets um which i think is is in you know in economies and which is ever fascinating especially the further you dive in but um you know, jeff writes a lot about euro dollars and the way the global banking system works and and, and really how his argument is one that's entirely opposite almost
2: of yeah. of everybody else's. And his argument is that there's not enough dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. And so right. makes it such an interesting argument. It's like, totally interesting. The fact that the guy sits there and says the euro dollar, nobody knows how much there is. None. Right. It's just a giant IOU farm from one bank to another. And you can't actually get real dollars out of it because it's all just a transfer of balance sheets from one bank to another. And right. it's kind of mind-blowing that that exists. But yes,
0: yes, it is. But... What's interesting about that, to your point earlier, is if you're going to be a responsible, you know, I like to think about Bitcoin as a savings technology, but let's just let's just use a different term as investor. If you're going to be a responsible investor in this asset, you should be able to have enough of a knowledge base to sit and listen to Jeff Snyder's argument, which, you know. It, it, it may not make sense immediately, but you should have enough background knowledge that you can sit there and pick it apart and say, yeah, okay, I, I understand where somebody like Jeff Snyder gets his mm-hmm. idea from. And these are the reasons I don't agree with what he's saying. Um, you know, and quite truthfully, my my only um, criticism of Jeff is that I think Jeff is somebody who will go to his grave claiming to be the smartest guy in the room. <laughs> and you know, he's one of these guys who's strongly, opin- strong opinions, strongly held, yeah. right? Where, yeah. where I think um, other people with more humility are better to follow. But, but that said, I mean, you should have a response
2: to his, one of the, sorry to interject there, no. but one of the things I had the, while listening to Snyder, I thought to myself, like, there are people that are probably triggered by this. Like if does this, does this idea or whatever it is you're being exposed to make you angry? Because if it does, <laughs> if it does make you angry, it triggers you somehow, then maybe there's some reason you should find more out. I mean, you need to explore the things that that piss you off. If, Agreed. Because if that means that you have some weakness or some something that just doesn't sit right with you because you don't want to believe it, probably, or you just don't understand it. Or like
0: it. you said, blind spot, right? If you, if you think to yourself, well, shit, that's a really good argument. Maybe he's right. I'm going to sell all my Bitcoin. Okay an alternative approach, maybe it is just simply say, let me look more into that. Right. So that I am at peace with the fact that his argument may not exactly coincide with owning Bitcoin.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is so tempting to just kind of put up this shallow hologram of a person or an argument and say, there's, yeah. there's nothing there. I mean, we do this with relationships too. Like I've joked at the firehouse that, if one guy hates another guy, the quickest way for them to get past it is to like go on a canoe trip or something. <laughs> right. I mean like
0: th- put, a, put <laughs> him alone in the woods. Yeah. that Yeah. yeah go on a it.
1: fucking canoe trip. We got some Bitcoiners that need to go on a canoe trip yeah. with Jeff Snyder. You're not going to agree with everything he says, but at least you realize it's not all idiocy. There's a lot of substance to it. G- Someone like that knows way more than the two of us know about, know about markets and he's reached a different conclusion. it just, it's an infusion of humility, whether yeah, and you I want think, it or not. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I yeah. think the
0: other point here, too, is that it's intellectually easier to split the world into much more mm-hmm. black and white. And the fact is, yes. the world is not black and white. It's exceedingly gray. And so, you know, again, it gets back to humility to say, OK, I don't have all the answers and I'm OK with that. And so, you know. By virtue of that, I accept the fact that I cannot possibly know everything, and therefore I'm going to approach the markets or whatever in life with some humility. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I will say this: let's pull on the. You're welcome, guys. Go-
0: you're welcome, guys. I'm just taking you guys <laughs> to school today. Yeah, you are. This is. What else you want? You want any personal advice too? You, you, uh, yeah, um, whatever you got. Yeah, I don't have much.
1: <laughs> okay, here's to pull on the the Snyder thesis thread. And there's probably the people that are listening that have no clue what we're talking about. We'll link the Peter McCormick show down in the show notes.
2: You should listen to it. It's good.
1: Um, The one takeaway I do have from from venturing down that path is the opacity and complexity of markets is unfreaking believable. Like the the, the economic systems that exist today are so freaking complicated. A lot of that complication is built because of a fiat system that enables exorbitant credit and financial products to begin with. I think the main... I was mowing my lawn when I was listening to that episode, and the main takeaway I had... You got a riding mower or a walking? I got a kick-ass Honda self-propelled mower. Yeah. This thing <laughs> yeah. This thing. Is fucks. that the one that you
2: said th- Vitalik should use? Yeah. Is that the one? <laughs> this,
1: if, for anyone that listened to our conversation with Gigi, I will say this mower fucks hard. It is. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 yeah. It, okay.
2: <laughs>
0: but, yeah, I believe it. Yeah. I, would Vitalik... Mow his lawn with the cat purse that
2: he routinely is seen wearing <laughs> yeah. or in the purple jumpsuit. The purple, yeah, yeah. That was prolific. His pants tucked. He had his he pants was in tucked. Hawaii for you know, yeah, yeah. and a yeah.
0: cat, a cat sweatshirt too. I mean, I would, you know, that's the thing with that asset is like maybe it has it, maybe does have some value. I've I trust that it likely does, but how on earth would you put your future financial success <laughs> in the hands of a dude who wears cat? sweatshirts, and a cat
2: man bag.
1: Yeah, it's a low blow, but I think it holds water. I think it sure. does, too. Yeah. Just, I'm,
2: I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah I am, right? too. Yeah. Yeah, I am, it too. It might have out. been
1: a little bit of a shortcut, but I think it could be a good heuristic for some folks. <laughs> yeah, like, it checks out. <laughs> okay, here's the point I was making. It's that it's that the the longer I look at Bitcoin and I hear, like, you take the Snyder thesis, which he's telling you we're, we're on the, the, the main concern here is deflation, not inflation, is his right. thesis. But as you understand the architecture of Bitcoin, it does... <laughs> For me, make me realize that this thing is built to perform in a ton of different environments. Yeah, like I, I, I yeah. was talking to Josh about this too on the way here. It was, we should have recorded that, Josh. That, that, car, that car conversation was loaded. Um, but basically thinking about the, the, the digital bearer censorship-resistant nature of Bitcoin, which is remarkable and largely underappreciated, you Agreed. could yes. have a situation in the future where this thing performs wonderfully. In a credit crunch environment, right? When yeah. you have promises imploding on promises, exactly. The one thing you can possess outside of the financial system is the very thing you may want.
2: Yeah. When the Hindenburg is blowing up, it's the one thing that isn't going up in it you exactly. know? Agreed,
0: Yeah, and, and that's the thing too. You mentioned about censorship resistant and and you know, no trusted third party disintermediating the banking system. You know, that all sounds like fancy you know, fancy BS stuff that, that people like to sit and pontificate about. It doesn't mean Jack to most people that we know. Right. It means a hell of a lot to people who live in third world countries. Mm. They immediately understand this asset because they understand that the money they have in a bank isn't their money. So, you know, that's the other piece. is, is is I love the way that Alex Gladstein approaches it with his whole concept of check your financial privilege. Mm hmm. Everybody in the United States of America is financially privileged. And, and it takes a little bit of looking around and seeing the world more than three feet in front of your eyes yes. to understand the value of this asset in that, in that sense. But the other piece of it, too, is that there's this, I, I think, ongoing uh, criticism of Bitcoiners to say that, well, Bitcoiners don't like the whole credit system. It's actually entirely untrue. Bitcoiners are fine with this concept of there being, you know, whether it's decentralized finance or finance in general, right? We know that credit is the way that the world works. The issue that Bitcoiners tend to have is that when you have a fractional reserve of a ratio of 1 to 1 million for assets, and you don't even have enough assets to to cover those one million promises because they're rehypothecated, or you know, to to that would be a Dan term to use a Josh and I term. They're reused, <laughs> repromised, right? Like the same bond gets repromised to ten different parties. Right. Um, yeah. That's what we have a problem with because that's what creates fragility. And so, you know, there isn't the, we we are not arguing that there should be a future and with no credit exists. Yes.
1: Okay. So this is, so I just published this three part series in Bit- and in creating it, it was originally one essay that they divided into three parts. I have a very close friend, lifelong friend that trades bonds for a living and he's not a Bitcoiner. And of course he, not. <laughs> he, he looked at this thing. He's interested in Bitcoin. This guy is, this is a special dude with a really great way of thinking and looking at the world. He provided some awesome pushback. And the main area that he pushed back on me was framing debt is inherently negative right? So he, he kind of, you know, explored with me, like, I understand you understand, you know, he gets that I understand the basic dynamics of this, but debt and credit are wonderful things when they're done appropriately. The right. issue is we live in a day and time where debt doesn't have proper accountability. And debt without proper accountability creates massive problems when it, when it goes on unabated. I, I agree.
2: From like the Austrian school perspective of all this stuff, like debt isn't like an evil thing. The problem is malinvestment caused by extremely low interest rates, which gives the market the signal that like, Hey, it's profitable for me to borrow money at 1% and make 3%. Mm. But maybe this would be a completely useless company at a four or 5% interest rate, which is probably the prevailing interest rate that should exist today or 10% or whatever, whatever have you. So I, I think that's a conflate. I think there's like a misunderstanding there between uh, what the Austrians think, which would be, there should be a an interest rate above inflation, which would be signaling the market, what is a proper company to run right now and what isn't and what's total Fugazi um, versus not having any credit at all. Because I don't think that's a world any of us want to live in.
0: No, and i and I you know, I would point people to the kind of Ray Dalio model of, there there's that uh, YouTube video that he's done about how the economic machine works. God, that's a good video. Very valuable. Um, he has written a number of books, and I do think that his final tour de force will be coming out um, within a few years. And I, my sense is that what he's going to write in that next and last book, as he stated, it will be his last book, um, is he's going to explain his framework for how he interprets macroeconomics. I suspect that that's what he's going to be doing because he really wants to be kind of like a Buffett character and be considered a teacher but if you read some of his stuff you know the, it becomes very clear exactly what you two are talking about which is you know there's nothing wrong with credit it's it's just when you do it poorly that is the issue and and you know one of the things that Preston oftentimes talks about which which really resonates with me is that when the base layer i.e. the price of money, when the base layer, the the interest rates, are manipulated by central banks, it throws everything downstream from that off-kilter in an economy. yeah And so that is, to your point, Josh, that is where we need truth in markets and truth in rates, and that can then inform better decisions from all market actors.
1: Right. Totally and it, agree. I think the other dynamic there, which we harp on on the show, is debt loads are contributing to all the necessary fugazi right like Absolutely. when you get to this level of indebtedness as a, as a globally i mean we often just look at the numbers domestically but you you are confronted with this situation where you let this thing unwind and you may not have food and grocery stores Correct. so you can totally understand why policymakers are doing what they're doing. In large part, the three of us would probably be doing the exact same shit because the consequences are so immense. We talked about this some with Lavish when he came on, and that's just the, the, the troublesome nature of the upside, right? The balloon getting as large as it does. In many ways, the issue happens far earlier by not letting any air escape, right? It's the rescue on the downside, that leads to the excessive upside, right? And this is just of debt loads in general, specifically here.
2: Yeah, and it's the spinning wheel that has to keep getting spun faster and faster and faster. And then eventually, something, you know, the bolt in the center is going to break. And and they
1: may let markets, like right now, because of the CPI prints, they're letting markets unwind more than some might expect. But you better believe the Fed put is still at play. And there is a point at which they will have to, have to step back in. Well, And you
0: you see, though, you know, unfortunately, the way the world works, uh, domestically at least, you see the reason why that probably is because, you know, this has such political implications for for whoever's in office it's not a party thing it's just whoever's in office right they're going to be blamed or applauded for the success or failure of the economy yep and so you know you're, you're you saw how much press was put out in advance of the last CPI print and that's simply Biden's team trying to control the narrative that they have control over inflation you know th- th- everybody says that the that the Fed and Jerome Powell and the central bank acts independent of the of the government but that's complete and utter bullshit. I agree. And you know, th- and if there's one thing that's gonna make them pivot, to your point, Dan, about about the fact that they have to keep inflating the balloon, it's the political upheaval that gets caused when everybody wants to blame. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and that's the point, right? If people actually took responsibility for learning about the way the world works with money, the way the global monetary system works, the way banking works, people would understand that it's really not uh, the problem of the administration per se, it's the system itself. Um, and again, I don't really care about either political party. Um, Amen. You, you
2: know, it's independent of that entirely. I wonder though, what do you think will make the fed blink? Because what we're, I mean, we watched CPI get fairly high. I mean, the highest it's been in my lifetime, I think easily yeah, yeah and then too. uh because about the late 70s early 80s it was pretty high but yeah. so i was i was still really young when that was <laughs> going on yeah yeah uh but now we're gonna watch the, the thing flipped completely the other side which is this deflationary effect is gonna cause well, we're already seeing it apple's already slowing down hiring facebook or i think it was meta is offloading some people meta. so what is the yeah, meta <laughs> what is gonna you know what's gonna piss people off more losing their job or having to pay 10 percent more at the grocery store every year <laughs> that's right. a that's a tough call, but I mean, they're going to have to, but I can all, yeah, find out
0: exactly. But I can almost guarantee you that the, the whatever it is that makes the fed pivot will be more driven by public opinion and politics Mm. than it will be by any data. Cause we all kind of know based on Jay Powell's recent, you know, I think faux pod his, um, at his little get together dinner with uh, him and his other central banker buddies, you know, he says, Oh, you know, it turns out we didn't understand inflation as well as we thought. (laughs) You know that's real fucking funny when you make you know ten million dollars a year or whatever it is that he makes you know with his speaking engagements and endorsements and all those. That's pretty funny then. That's not so funny when you're living paycheck to paycheck. So you know when you can make a flippant remark about, oh shit, I guess we didn't understand
2: inflation very well. Oh, shucks, guys. Sorry. Yeah,
0: sorry guys. We'll we'll get back back to work about that. Um, you know the point is that that I think it's not going to be a data driven decision because they don't have the right data that's driving these decisions clearly and um, their models don't work and you know it's going to come down to my suspicion is something around the time in november when elections are approaching mm-hmm. and if if the poll numbers aren't right then you're going to see you're going to see some things change
1: i think there's a lot of wisdom there yeah. a, a lot of this just centers on the narrative and the politics you know, it's very, it's popular, and I think wise to to assume that, especially in the inflationary environment we're currently in, with the high CPI prints, that they're going to hold out until something breaks in the in the real interior plumbing well,
2: of the system. Also, like if we're if we're correct in this thesis, and I think we probably are. I mean, obviously, it's our thesis; we have to be right. That's of, yeah. yeah. Of course um, they're gonna. They're. I g- mean, we were just
0: saying the humility shit because it's like the right thing to say. Yeah, everyone likes to hear humility. that. Pat yeah. me, pat me.
2: Yeah. Uh, they're gonna they're gonna have raised rates enough to the point where they could be like, all right, well now we've got a little cushion to cut these things back, allow the allow the economy to kind of have a soft landing, and then the inflation <laughs> we're gonna cause by this will be three years down the road. So don't well, worry and then about you, that. Well,
0: and then you see, you know, what's the next step? UBI. What does that mean? Helicopter money, universal basic income. It means stimmy checks to everybody who to everybody who votes. Yep. And don't worry, we got it covered. You guys are good. Take your check.
1: This is where. The mechanics of QE are really changing before our eyes, right? And and because yeah. to just equate back to Snyder and and Lynn Alden's written pieces on this, to just equate QE with growth and money supply is is not fair. That's not what the last fifteen years have shown. But when you when when QE becomes the empowerment tool for fiscal spending, which we just saw through COVID. That will that's where things fast. get precarious, and that seems very likely. Yeah, um, and and I do think we're going to be entering a a period where the the fiscal spending and wh- how that money is introduced, where where the where the spigot is located and who's, who's getting wet, who's getting sloppy off of yeah, the, the, the water. Hogs. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that is going to be the big deal though. It's where the money's coming from. And it would and, make yeah. total
2: sense, at least from the perspective, I'm picturing this in my own mind, like this, this whipsaw back and forth. Like if they do this in November, this whipsaw comes back down. We see the markets return. And then they watch six months to a year later when that inflation rears its ugly head, they have to go and cut the other direction again. Yeah. And this is almost like, um, picturing what Preston says about these agonal respirations of the economy, you know, like, and that makes sense to the three of us sitting here talking about people dying. (laughs) This is just the economy taking its final gasps.
0: Yeah. And, and I think the, uh, I may agree with everything you guys said. And I think to re-highlight a point though, to anybody who's listening, who's nation and I had to get, I had to get that word in. (laughs) Yeah. That means,
2: that means new, right? Okay. Jason, you're not doing a good job playing dumb. (laughs)
0: Uh, all right, that's fair. Um, for anybody who's who's nation t- to this asset class, you know, this is not going to happen tomorrow. OK, so, you know, again, I think everybody has this. Everybody who's who's new to this thinks that, oh, I think what they're talking about makes a lot of sense. It's probably going to happen on Thursday that the economy dies. No, yeah. that's not how these things go down it is going to be something that is very clear in retrospect. And the problem is, um, you know, when unwind does occur, it can happen quite fast, but truthfully, I bet most people don't even realize it's happening and won't realize it happened until after it's, and may not still realize it happened until after it's done. So it's not going to be as dramatic, I think, as people tend to think in their minds. But the fact is, this is very, this is very different if you read any history books, compared to previous inflationary environments and pre- previous economic situations.
2: And it behooves you to actually look into why and how it's different. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of productive to remember that Rome fell in 276 AD. People believed they were the emperor of Rome until like 800 yeah. AD. Yeah, exactly.
1: Think about, the, think about internet adoption. In our lifespan. for so, What you said makes me think of that. Things happening right underneath your nose that are incredibly dramatic and massively sudden when looked at in hindsight, but in the moment you think nothing of you it. Never the iPhone, iPhone. Yeah. A perfect, perfect example ab- of that. Think about yeah. the last 20 years, right? This thing, the exponential nature of the internet's growth, the, the way it looks now to the way it did 10, 20, 30 years ago is, is brain-numbing. But in no specific year did it feel dramatic.
0: A couple points there, which is... Yes, agreed. And you can ignore new technology at your own peril. Now, that doesn't mean that everything that looks cool, sexy, and shiny is mm-hmm. going to change the world, right? And so there's 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 this other group of kind of growth investors, equity investors. Greg often talks about them. They think trees grow to the moon, right? And And that has had a really wonderful last decade that is coming to an end you know bitcoin is not that um come rocket coin is right or doggy <laughs> yeah. coin we or
1: started w- come rocket by the way i knew we it made a lot of money Jason. yeah we have
2: to launder this money though dan we're not supposed to talk about it yeah, yeah. for a while yet well, we can set something up here like ozark if you want I mean, we live on the water <laughs> i saw a casino
1: this is, is a it, similar is vibe to that yeah temptation
2: <laughs> yeah Tempted salon. We'll yeah. just try to we'll just try to spend the uh, come rocket at the casino and see what happens.
1: I should, yeah. it should
0: be fine. Yeah, it's, it's good. Um, but the point being that so the, this whole concept of value investing fits very nicely in my mind with Bitcoin. So I don't feel as though I'm taking a, a I'm I'm investing in a highly speculative asset, actually. Um, and if you do feel like it's highly speculative, then my then what I would submit to you is that you probably haven't done. Your homework is there a speculative aspect of it? Yeah, of course. There's a speculative as- aspect to investing in uh, bonds. <laughs> for sure, right. you're speculating that the government's going to ultimately be able to pay you back. So, yeah, it's speculative in that sense. But it's not one of these things where I'm like,
2: you know, rolling the dice and I'm putting all my money on on seven. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of that, um, would you be comfortable talking about how you structure your portfolio overall? Just, sure. Just for people listening that want to have some. Alt- I mean, most people aren't hundred percent Bitcoin. Um, how do you like to structure yeah. your portfolio?
0: Yeah. So I think of it in kind of two ways. So my liquid portfolio, right? So I, cause I think part of a portfolio involves an investment in, in a scarce asset in, in this case, uh, my house. Right. And I think those that can come in all different forms, but regardless, that's not what I would consider a liquid asset. So in, in liquid assets, I have, I think of it very similar to the way Warren Buffett's taught, which is, you know, you don't have to swing at every pitch, but you take your pick and you want to be very convicted on about 10 different bets over the course of your life. And so, you know, the way I break that down is is um, Bitcoin is one of those 10 bets for me. Um, And so is it 100% of my portfolio? No. Does that make me not a Bitcoin maximalist psychopath? Yeah, probably. Am I hugely in favor of Bitcoin? Well, sociopath. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, So, you know, other bets that I have are um, generally on the S&P 500. So do I have a lot of my, uh, money in S and P 500 right now. No, I actually have none. I pulled it out at what I thought would be the top of the market, which was back earlier in the year. Um, and so that's sitting on the sidelines waiting to get deployed once the market's stabilize. Um, and then Bitcoin, I do hold some gold. And then, um, and then I think it's important to one of my 10, one of my 10, um, investments is, uh, in myself and in some private equity investments in my own um, in things that I can control, because they're they're uh, things that I'm working on myself, and I think that should be one of every, one of everybody's ten investments too, is investing in yourself. But aside from that, that's how yep. I structure it percentage-wise. It's a um, not in, not insubstantial portion of my liquid. Portfolio and right now it represents about fifty percent of that.
1: Yeah, can we invest in Jason? Because just looking at you being in your house, you seem to have massive asymmetric upside. Yeah, you. Yeah, you can.
0: <laughs> but you, again, you won't like the terms of it. Just like yeah. you won't like the rent. I think payment. Dan's trying to week. get you into the bedroom over there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, least, I'm straight as an arrow. Least, I'm, I'm dead straight as an arrow, folks. But at least take me to dinner first. If there's anyone Dad. that's a, got a chat, it's her turn in this arrow. Right back. <laughs> that was a that was a dry swing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Here's I want to ask this. We talked a ton about credit markets. And that, the, this piece that you, you wrote alongside Greg, it, it does just center on credit markets, making it digestible for the average person you weighing in. If we haven't covered it already, what was the biggest takeaway from that process with Greg? Like What, what did you learn? Or what, it could have been yeah, something you knew before. Biggest takeaway from that Bitcoin magazine piece that we're obviously going to link below about markets in general, investing Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, it's a good question. I I think probably the biggest one was, um, well, I'm able to now understand duration and convexity like Greg talked about, mm. and so when he drops in his first and second order derivatives, I can be like, "Fuck you, bitch slap him," and I know what he's talking about. <laughs> but probably more importantly is the credit default swap concept, yes. and and I think you know understanding that a when you first hear about a CDS credit default swap, you want you're you think to yourself, oh, I'm sure that's some minutia niche market where there's <laughs> where that can't possibly be important. Uh, yeah. No, it's exceedingly important. And there's probably a good reason why nobody's ever heard of it, because I would suspect that most um, banks and bankers and investment firms don't really want people to know about it. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's um, that was very interesting. Um, my dog's just whiling out there in the backyard as we're talking about this. He gets The dog's it. trying to kill the bunny. There. He's eating a rabbit. The dog with the, <laughs> with the travel pillow on her neck. This guy's
1: puppy's an apex predator. Yeah,
0: because she wears the travel <laughs> pillow so she doesn't fit through the fence. That little shit. Anyways, um, so yeah, the credit default swap market. I think it's, it, it is important to understand that even at a really basic level because that's really a way that you
2: can price risk. Yeah. Right? You, it, that's the market pricing risk itself. Correct. Which is the the, you know, the bellwether for everything, like right? Markets are the best thing at valuing anything.
0: And as we talked about earlier, right? You can't be hundred percent certain of anything. The fact is the United States defaulting on their debt has a non-zero probability. Is it high? No. What was the last it-
2: I checked? 18 basis points, I think it was. Yeah. Or something like that.
0: Yeah, so it's not zero. Right. Um, and so, you know, learning how that fits in with, I kind of tend to shy away from this whole concept of here's my intrinsic value calculation for Bitcoin, because I, you know, for me, it's like, okay, is my intrinsic value for Bitcoin higher than my cost basis? Yes. (laughs) Do I know, do I know what it's going to be? No, you could try to calculate it through, you know, but again, there's so many variables in the future, whatever. The point is
2: that it's a hell of a lot higher than it is now. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, it is the only thing in the world that is in finite supply. Correct. So exactly. Do with that as you will.
1: Bitcoin to a zillion. <laughs> One zillion It has dollars. to be. It, yeah, it,
0: we have to call it that. And probably call it something like the three of us know better than everybody else and we're fucking mm-hmm. right. Yeah. yeah, the anti-hubris. Um, yeah.
1: Before we close uh, this thing out. My favorite thing
0: about myself is I'm humble.
1: <laughs> yeah. Before we close this thing out, walk us through the meal you're about to serve us. Uh, give us a feel for it top to bottom. Um, how do you think we're going to react to it? The whole nine Well, I can take. tell you
0: how you, you need to react to it. I don't care if you actually like it or not. You're going to fucking tell me you like it.
2: It's, uh, it sounds a lot like the firehouse, actually. Yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah.
1: The truth is, as hard as we seem, we're, we're soft. If a guy puts a mediocre meal out, everybody still tells him it's great. So we'll do the same for you, Jason. Oh,
0: I appreciate that. Yeah, my <laughs> wife tells me the same thing when we... <laughs> hop in the sack um so yeah so ground elk this was an elk shot in uh in near craig colorado so northwest colorado two in the head right exactly yeah Yeah. two in the head one in the nuts point yeah point blank 45 magnum um no it was shot at like uh with a 6.5 prc which is the new sweetheart round and it is uh it was about 450 yards away across, across the a a valley. A shot. It sounds really good, but I was literally in a prone position with a bag and a bipod and I could have fallen asleep behind the scope before I pulled the trigger. Like it, it really wasn't that hard. So anyhow, ground elk, and then it's so lean that you have to add a little bit of fat to it. So what I usually do is kind of chop up some bacon and mix that in. So like elk bacon burgers. And then the rest of the shit's just from the store, like potato salad and you know broccoli, cauliflower. I mean, I can't make any of that stuff. There's nothing
1: so. wrong with cheating, man. That's what we did at no. cum rocket. Exactly. I mean? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yep. Yep. and you had the exit liquidity, at a boy.
1: Yeah, the cum rocket potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Does that sound good? Yeah. Oh man,
2: I'm I'm starved right now. Delicious. Wow. <laughs>
1: Jason, thanks so much for coming on. What uh, what do you want people to know here to close out? Twitter handle, anything else? We'll link the the piece you wrote down in the show notes.
0: Yeah, that's it. Twitter handle is uh, I think I think it's Sansoni underscore JM. I I have to check. I literally that's how much I I'm uh, on top of my Twitter account. I occasionally will post pithy things and then, you know, I get two people who like it. So uh, you'll have to wait in line to follow me. But um, uh, that and then lookingglasseducation.com, which is we didn't we didn't get a chance to talk too much about it. I know you guys have had Greg and Daz on before, Um, so hopefully everybody's listening to those episodes. and uh, go there for some more information about that effort, which does involve trying to translate all things in financial markets to thing to
2: something that's more digestible and approachable for yeah, we're the population. We're big fans. We're taking the classes as they come.
1: And we're actually, uh, to, to introduce some hype here, in the fall, we are scheduling Daz and Seb to come on. I think it's going to be six times. We're going to do a Bitcoin Basics series. And uh, the Bad-ass. four of us are going to explore... Basic topics with the uh, the Looking Glass crew. So. There's no
0: two. Be- there's no two better guys
2: to do it either. They're awesome. They are. Thanks, Jason.
0: Are you guys actually going to stay here for a fucking
1: week?
2: Yeah, we are. Um, I thought it maybe a week and a half. Oh, I don't know. Shit. We have a couple of friends coming too. I hope you don't mind. It mm. is
1: startlingly. <laughs> it is. It is startlingly easy for us to get off work. I mean, I, know, I could, I, I could decide right now. I'm staying a week, and we probably could get about fifteen other guys here within about three or four hours. Wow, that's great! Yeah,
0: it should. Let me just go talk to my wife. No, no big deal.
1: All right, Jason, thanks for coming on. Peace. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening into the show. If you enjoyed this discussion, be sure to like or subscribe on whatever app you're using for podcasts or on YouTube. And if you have an extra minute, go ahead and leave us a review. We are also active on Twitter at blue underscore collar BTC. And our email address is bluecollarbitcoinpodcast at gmail.com. We invite questions, comments or inquiries of any kind. We look forward to you joining us again on the BCB podcast.